Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. lovelies. Welcome back to Windowsill Chats. And if it is your first time listening, well, I'm just thrilled to have you here. Thanks so much for joining. Today, I have the really wonderful opportunity to talk to a wonderful, amazing, very experienced designer by the name of Chris Chun. Chris lives in Bangkok, is of Chinese descent and grew up in Australia. So all sorts of great history there. Gosh, we had the best time talking. I think you'll (laughs) be able to tell that. Chris has been designing things for a long time and has really uh, impeccable skill. And he had some great stories to tell and we were kind of comparing notes and we just really had a good time. And the very cool thing is, you know, I think in the United States we get, you know, for those of you who can relate to this part, we kind of kind of get into our own, I don't know, boundaries. We do things here. But for those of you who are from other places, other countries, other parts of the world, it's just a little easier to say, oh, you know, I'm going to go try this in Italy or try that in Germany or whatever that looks like. And and Chris has some of those experiences to share. And it just kind of makes my mouth water to hear some of the things he's done along the way. So I hope you enjoy it. Before I tell you a little bit more about Chris, here is my review for the week. Thank you very much, BH1114, for leaving this great review. It's called Sunshine and Inspiration All Day. Since I'm a mama of two, my day gets broken up into pieces. I have my planned art making time, but I also squeeze in classes, tutorials, and inspiration wherever I can. I visit the windowsill the most. In the car after kiddos have been dropped off, while I prep for dinner, clean the dishes, or pick up the house. This podcast feels like I'm listening to close friends chat effortlessly over coffee, and somehow I feel that I am right there with them laughing or giggling. If you're a creative, then take a listen. No matter the topic, it will speak to your heart. There's gold in every conversation, insight into different creative industries, and genuine reflection on the artist's journey. I found myself nodding and taking notes. I look forward to listening more and more. Suddenly, these mundane tasks are filled with sunshine and inspiration all day long. Thank you, Margo, for creating a podcast that feels so refreshingly authentic. Oh my goodness. 
Gosh, you guys, I really appreciate that. It is what I'm after, as I as I will repeat, authentic and and honest. And thanks for taking me along and and all the rest of us as well. We've been around now for over a year and we've reached over 100,000 downloads. So I have you to thank for that. A little bit more about Chris. Chris, as I mentioned, is an Australian artist and award-winning, an award-winning designer. He has an appetite for fun, adventure, and great food. When he's not creating, you can probably find him traveling to some exotic destination, shopping for vintage textiles, or eating something delicious. His creativity and say-yes-to-everything attitude has taken him all over the world, working for renowned textile studios Diane Harrison Designs in Manchester, UK, and Faro Designi in Rome, Italy whose clients then included Giorgio Armani, Diane von Furstenberg, and Laura Ashley. Since 2005, Chris has been licensing his artwork to a select group of companies worldwide in tabletop stationery, home decor, and gift accessories. He also exhibits as a fine artist. And if you take a look at our show notes, you can see all the places you can find him. But oh my goodness, I can't wait till you'll see his art. Chris's Instagram is... Chris Chun Studio and his website is www.chrischun.com. And I just encourage you to take a look if you can as you're listening because your mouth is going to drop open. His work is absolutely stunning. Currently, Chris is based in Bangkok. Living in Thailand has provided him with everyday inspiration for painting and creating new work. Chris has set up a studio in Bangkok and he collaborates with local artisans and craftspeople to produce limited edition products. So sit back, grab that tea, wine, coffee, paintbrush, water, whatever it is. And here is a really fun conversation with Mr. Chris Chen. Thank you so much for being here and for reaching out all that time ago and uh, being patient. So I appreciate it. I've learned, you know, I've learned the sort of the power of networking and just, you know, putting yourself out there if you want to, if you want to meet someone. I mean, I remember one of my, I mean, my good friend Sky, you know, she, she was stalking me. She, I mean, she sent me an invite and I was like, oh, who's this girl that just wants to come and meet from, meet me for a coffee that I've never met and, you know, wants to discuss work and, you know, art and everything. And, you know, I said to my husband, Matthew, I said, oh, do you think I should go, you know? Yeah. And so I went, I mean, I, I, I've known of Sky before, like, you know, I've known of her work and stuff, but I just thought, oh, who's this, you know, girl just, you know, out of the blue, just ringing up saying, oh, I think we should get together for a coffee and, you know, and have a chat. And, um, yeah, needless to say, we've got on like a house on fire and, you know, we're really good friends and, yeah. you know, we've met around the world. And so, you know, I, I did the same thing. So, yeah. you know, that's why I opened it reach out and say hi and you know how much I love your your podcast oh thanks thanks well I love your work I'm embarrassed to say well I'm sure I've seen it because of all the things you've done but I'm glad to um see it in you know be able to dive into your work in all the ways you show it it's just so rich and gorgeous and your skill and talent level are unsurpassed it's beautiful absolutely beautiful Oh my gosh. I just let, you know, it's like, I have to get to Bangkok. (laughs) I have to hang out in that studio. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking maybe when the, when the pandemic ends and, you know, travels opened up, I have been thinking, you know, for a couple of years now that it'd be quite nice to have some retreats here, you Mm -hmm. know, art painting, you know, licensing, product development, massages, cocktails, you know, swimming. 
Oh, I'm just sign me, up, sign me up right now. <laughs> it really would. I think um, part of the the wonderful thing about many of those trips is the slightly, you know, going to somewhere we haven't been before. The trips to France, the trips to Morocco, Costa Rica, things like that. And um, Bangkok seems so far away for so many in a, in a in a way that we want to get there. You know, I've certainly spent a lot of time traveling um, in many different places around the world for work. And I was very fortunate because my dad was a pilot. So that oh. kind of loosened my ability to travel. It made it a lot easier in the old days before I was 23. Well, but... that was glamorous flying back then, wasn't it? I mean, oh, it was great. There, <laughs> there were no frequent flyer miles. So it was free unless you went first class. And then it was $25. Yeah. So I took advantage <laughs> of that. <laughs> You've been spoiled. Oh my gosh, not to sound super spoiled, but my senior year in college, I just took my art studios two days a week, Tuesday and Thursday, because who wants to you know, be in school if you're paying all that money for it? And uh, I went to, I would go, to, London is my love. It's my first love. And the city I knew first, because I had a place to stay with friends and I would hop a plane <laughs> to LA and then a direct flight to London. And I did it like eight times that year. Just like, oh, I'm done with class. I'm going to see if there's a space on that plane. And there always was. Oh, fantastic. Not oh anymore. God. What a great life education. Experience. Oh, I'm so grateful. And, and it's, you know, my dad worked hard and he was gone a lot. And, but there were certain benefits for it, for being brave and being like, I'm just going to do it. And I think I learned a lot, you know, just by happenstance, just by trying things and going places by myself and thank you parents for thinking that was okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of the best things that, you know, I think a parent can do for their child is to, you know, open their eyes up to the world and let them travel and, you know, see how lucky they are and different lifestyles. And I agree. People and culture and, and arts even, you know, I mean, yeah, that's been a bit. Absolutely. I mean, just walking. inspiration. Just walking the streets and, and being in a different, you know, the signage, the architecture, the the streets themselves, certainly the people and the clothes and all that, but just immersing in it. I used to just, one of my favorite things is any city, any place really, just to walk and walk and walk and, and see the small things you wouldn't see if you were whisking by, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's like the smells, it's everything, you know, the, the sounds mm. and, um, and you know, it's fun to, it's fun to just just be in the present moment, isn't it? And just and just just wander and not have any agenda or like, oh yeah, two advisors said this was three stars out of five, so we won't go here or whatever. But, right, you know, right. <laughs> oh, I love travel where you just do a little bit of planning. Like maybe you have a few places to stay and you let the rest unfold. Yeah. Because then you you know you really yeah. you can experience it like maybe more like a local, which I always am a fan of. Well. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, you know, um, Matthew and I came here to Thailand on a, you know, for a sabbatical because he's never lived overseas before. So, you know, yeah, I want to know how a, you got there from Australia. Take a year off and, um, and, um, okay. So I'll tell you the story. So, um, so my husband is an environmental lawyer and he, he used to be a barrister. So, wow. He's, um, he's always been quite sort of envious of my, you know, my life experiences living in Europe and, so we thought, oh, we're going, let's, let's just take some time off and um, go and live abroad. And originally we we're going to go to 
um, London and the UK because at that time I could get an artist visa and um, your partner automatically gets a visa without even having to apply for the point system or anything. Wow. This was in, wow. I think this was in 2008 was thinking about doing it and then, hmm. you know, the uh, recession happened and we thought, well, you know, we'd rather be here than in, you know, dull grey. Yeah you know, called London and then, you know, a couple of years later I, you know, had enough of living in Sydney and I thought, oh, look, let's just go. I think we should just go overseas and live. If we can't go to Europe, then, you know, let's just, let's just go to Asia, live somewhere in Asia and everything. So we ended up in, in Chiang Mai and we thought, look, let's just give this six months and see how it goes. And, you know, eight years later we're still, you know, we're still in Thailand and, you know, Chiang Mai, I hadn't really known that much about it, but, you know, it's got this rich community of, you know, artists and, and craftspeople, you know, mm-hmm. from weavers to dyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so inspiring, really great food and coffee scene. And I've known, I've had a, a few friends that have traveled to Chiang Mai and just loved it. Like said, best place, best trip ever. Oh, fantastic. I love that you're still there eight years later. Well, I've actually moved to Bangkok because uh, uh, Chiang Mai got a bit yeah. quiet after a while. But in so. Thailand, you're still in Thailand. <laughs> still, in th- still in Thailand, yeah. yeah. But And, you know, one, that's one of the things that was impressed upon me so much in my Asian travels for work is the creativity and the level of craftsmanship, certainly, and the attention to detail and the handmade and the willingness to learn if they don't, whoever we're working with. And to be surrounded by that in a whole different lifestyle, and it just sounds super interesting I mean they just they just have this dedication to their craft I mean you often find families you know that have um you know furniture Mm -hmm. businesses or wood carving you know it's just passed down from generation to generation but I mean unfortunately the past 10 years it's that 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 chain that that continuation that tradition isn't continuing because you know the kids are looking oh I don't I want to you know I want to go and work in a big city and do something yeah, you know, more more what I want to do rather than just carving. So you see, you know, a lot of the industries here in Thailand are, are closing down, which is really sad. So. Yeah, I mean, we were like that so many, so many centuries ago almost, really, where we had the trades like that. But you do see it even, even in our product development and making things. In the when I first started traveling overseas, everything was hand painted. You could get it was cheaper to get hand painted plates or whatever, you know, with ceramics and then no way, you know, nope, it has to be a decal or, you know, hand painted. It was just harder and harder to find those people because they wanted to work in the, you know, air conditioned tech factory, understandably that was closer to home. So it's interesting to see. Yeah. It's, that's unbelievable. Isn't it? I mean, it's, um, I mean, I remember I went to India to visit our, manufacturers that they made tea towels and woven fabrics and you know we turned up to this factory and all these guys are in these shorts with like indigo legs and we're like yeah. oh my god why why are their legs why are their legs blue <laughs> and um they said oh well they're, they're stepping in you know vats of dye for for eight hours you know to to um yeah to, to color the yarn and i'm like oh my god isn't that poisonous <laughs> and they said well yeah you know when you know, when someone dies and, you know, there's always someone else ready to, I mean, they were just so blasé, you know, and you just, you just saw people walk by the roadside with, you know, nothing. And, you know, after that trip, I was like, 
I'm never going to haggle over a price again. If you want, no. to, if you want to charge an extra five cents, that's fine. You know. I know. And then of it's course, so true. You know, it only lasts a few weeks, and then the boss says, "How can we pay this price? I want you to get thirty percent off. That will do it." You know, it's just. I know. It's like you take this <laughs> trip with me. You go see. It's so true. Or, you know, I, I, it's hard for you to even say the word, but a resin factory, which I'd spent way too much time in, and that if it's not vented, you know, the places where you go indigo or whatever, and you get an instant headache as soon as you walk in because of the fumes, or, you know, that, I mean, oh my gosh, it's why we make things over there uh, overseas and not here. And it's why the rules are, as they are here, we can't use the same dyes and colors because it's not necessarily good for you. Yeah. But I think anyway. people don't really, I think understand. people don't really understand or think about where stuff's made and the conditions and stuff and no and and honestly before i ever went to china or anywhere like that india um i used to think oh my gosh things are made in china it's a big machine and a you know it's kind of like charlie and the chocolate factory a thing a blob goes in over here and it comes out the other end in this beautiful colored made thing but <laughs> I remember, i'm sure i've talked about this on some other podcast but it's really my most vivid aha moment where we were it's this favorite factory of mine that was really was like willy wonka and um we were walking through i love when they take you out when they let you go out of the showroom and into the bowels of the place right yeah, and, yeah see all the action and happening. we you know we're stepping over these little creeks and I mean, it was above you know we never worked with a place that what didn't do what it was supposed to do with people and all that so if anybody's listening and you know definitely there were rules and regulations and requirements but it was dark and I remember coming into this room where there were just these overhead lights and there was glitter so things were kind of floating in the air and these six women were sitting around this you know table that you'd spend a lot for in an antique store because it was had all this stuff you know and um she had a little pile of cut out paper in a perfect shape that when she put the little tiny egg sized styrofoam egg on top and glued that paper on and stuck a wire in it, there was your 50 cent egg that you were going to buy at Michael's. And I remember thinking, oh my God, yeah. this is all made by hand. This is all made by hand. It, it, yeah. it blew my mind. And of course, a million more stories like that, but, and they were so lovely and so nice. And and so creative, but I just thought humans touched all this. And I, I just didn't get that before I yeah. took those trips again. Yeah. <laughs> this was over 20 years ago. So I've learned some things since then, but you know, so I, I, we're taking the long winding road into, <laughs> into talking more <laughs> about you, but, um, so I, I want to know like how you obviously are just your, your refined style and and expertise super shines through so did you always draw like how'd you get down this path I'd really love to know um because I'm well, fascinated I think I mean I think I mean I think it was predestined that that I was going to be you know involved in pattern because you know my mum had you know palm palm wallpaper and mm. she had, you know peacock chinoiserie fabric on her sofa and I had um I had Mary Mecco green emerald green Mary Mecco curtains so stylish so, so good that's so, so good chic. um 
No, but grade two, grade two was, was, was sort of like my first validation that I, that I had some, I had some talent, you know, we had to draw this Easter bunny. I think, you know, my observation with skills were obviously a bit more developed than the others there. And, um, Everyone's like, oh, Chris, can you draw my bunny too? Oh, can you draw mine? <laughs> so I think I ended up drawing like, you know, 20 out of, you know, 24 kids. Oh, my gosh. That's great. You know, and that's when I thought, oh, yeah, I really like this. You know, it's sort of like a bit of a service thing or whatever. And, um, I mean, back in, the, back in the 70s, I used to have these, these art camps during school holidays, which, you know, I remember it was such an amazing time because, you know, during school holidays, you know, Monday would be candle making and then Tuesday would be macrame and then, you know, Wednesday calligraphy. So, you know, when I'm looking now, like growing up from there, seeing all these crafts come in and being really, you know, trendy and cool, it's like, oh, yeah, I did that. It was really, it was really fun. <laughs> in grade three, no, grade five. Was it grade five? Maybe grade two. Maybe grade two, the, the teacher took black and white um, portraits of us and she said okay now I want you to cut your head out and stick it on a piece of paper and I want you to draw what you want to be when you grow up wow and I think I, I think we're all like five or six or something and so you know all, all the boys you know drew policemen and um you know fire truckmen and soldiers and you know you know, all those very manly things and, you know, the girls are like, I want to be an ear hostess, I want to be a nurse, you know, I want to be a beauty queen or whatever, you know. And what did little Christopher Lee Chun want to be? I drew myself as a tooth fairy. I want to fly I lo- around. It's very aspirational. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, well, half of it's true. But oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's that <laughs> and you new moment, you know. Oh, I love. Do you oh. have that? Do you or is just no? I wish. No, I wish. I wish I had it because I remember. You know, I actually drew. You know, the shelf behind the fair behind me, and I had jars with a tooth in each. You know, jar. I mean, I can remember oh quite vividly gosh. actually drawing it, thinking, "This is normal." You know, and then I'm looking around and thinking, "Oh, why am I so different from the, from the <laughs> others?" Oh, I love that. Your teaser. You must have been her favorite. <laughs> Oh, I think she just looked at me like oh, some weird. I always, you know, I don't. <laughs> I love down to the teeth in jars. Oh, what color was your skirt? It was purple. Oh, awesome. Purple with gold glitter stars. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good, so good. Well, I've hope I hope you've danced around at some point, feeling you know oh, like you've made it, and you're yeah, exactly what you want to be. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been really blessed, I have to say. I mean, it's, um, you know, I had Chinese parents and, you know, they always want you to be a, a yeah. doctor or a lawyer. So that, that's what I was training to do in school because I wasn't really sure. I mean, I knew I liked doing creative stuff, but it wasn't really, I was, didn't really think about it as a career option. Right. And then, right. Um, I watched Dead Poet Society. Oh my gosh. And that was like my, you know, jumping off the cliff, you know. He was yelling right at you. Oh, my God. I was thinking, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like him. So, um, yeah, so after the movie, I, I, you know, I set my parents down and I said, oh, look, you know, I, I really want to do something in art. You know, I, I don't I know. That. I don't know, you know, what I'm going to do or, or, or what's going to happen. But I, I know, I just know deep down that I'll make it, you know, I'll, I'll make it really. Wow. 
and you know kudos to them like they said oh you know as long as you're happy but you know it's going to be really tough and yeah and that and then well your mom sounds like she had some vision oh yeah I mean she was I mean both my parents are creative really because yeah yeah you know she I mean she did these macrames and um you know the little field mice you know the birds nest and making I mean she even made all the little dolls and the yeah i mean and her her taste sounds like really good for the time yeah, as well. yeah she yeah, was paying attention got... to what was happening yeah yeah definitely and um you know my dad's a brilliant was a brilliant chef so oh, you know wow. that's where I got what a my, good combo i got my love of food so yeah i mean we've been really lucky so so off you went to figure that out so yeah off i went to um open day at university and I wasn't sure whether I was going to do graphic design or fashion design or something. And I went into the classroom and I was like, oh, what do you guys do here? Mm. Like, oh, we did, this is the textile design department. And I was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Oh my God. Just like that. And so, you know, I've been involved in textiles on and off past, past 30 years. Yeah, I've been really lucky. I mean, I've, you know, I've worked as a product manager and creative global creative director and buyer I've been an art director I've done product development so tell us about some of that because you in learning a little bit more about you you have had some amazing clients tell me about kind of how that worked because I think part of the thing about the U.S. is our clients aren't as international unless you went to school and grew up in New York I remember when I first took surface design my instructor who was in in Berkeley or Oakland said, if you're going to do this, and granted this is a long time ago, you have to move to New York. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if those two things go together. You know, I, I love this, but I'm not sure I'm ready to move to New York, which of course I eventually did. But, you know, so do you think it was where you were or the education? I mean, obviously a combination of those things, but how did that happen next? Well, I was really lucky because after, after university, I, um, I got a job with Sheridan bedding I don't know if you've heard of Sheridan mm-hmm. they used to be huge I mean they're still mm-hmm. going now but they were huge like 10 20 10 20 yes, years they ago were. And, I'm trying and, to remember the name of the person I know who used to work with them and they had a they had a store in Fifth Avenue and they were global mm-hmm. and um yeah. so you know that was my first real textile design job so that gave me wow. a, a fantastic foundation for you know learning the craft of um design because I mean, being in Australia, this is when we still manufactured everything, but all the designers in their studio there, 95% of them were recruited from overseas just because yeah. we didn't have the training or the or the skill set here in, in Australia. And um, I was really lucky. I was the first one that they decided, oh, we're going to hire someone local and train them up. We're actually going to make an active effort. And so, oh, wow. yeah, so I was, I was super lucky because otherwise yeah. I wouldn't have, you know, they would have just recruited someone from overseas again. So, right. I mean, this was, you know, the gouache painting days. And oh, yeah. you know, I remember I remember one of my first jobs was like, oh, can you just um, mix all these colours for the colourway? Because I was doing furnishings back then. And I remember it took me two days just to just to mix 20 wow. colours perfectly, you know, so wow. that we could paint the colourway. But let's stop for a minute. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> how you had to do it. You yeah. had to mix those gouache colours, <laughs> which is why I was like, <laughs> do this surface design thing by hand i mean now we can just mm, let's take an eyedropper and just boop, boop. but what a cool skill and i'm not saying we don't all mix colors still when we paint of course but that was the only way it was the only way and so you had to learn those things 
you, I mean, you understand the nuances of colour because, you know, I also did, I also worked as a colourist as well. So, you know, I was learning about the tone and the shade and, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, people think, oh, if I want to make it green dark, I'll just add black to it. But, you know, black just kills the colour. So, you know, you want to add red to it so you still have some vibrancy, but, you know, you can go as dark or... And understanding all that, the episode with Anna Bianchi, she talks about this too, like studying with somebody that really were in a place where you really do learn it because, because you have to, or, but just, it is so interesting, those little nuances and, you know, and then there's so many ways now, you know, you can go into a Michaels and get all these, you know, Martha Stewart colors or whatever it might be, where they think, well, maybe we'll make this color that's a slight shade of sagey green. And so that's what we get. We get that because we're attracted to that color. And and I think, you know, it. I always love it. I've just never understood it when somebody used paint right out of a tube myself. But, you know, there's a lot more to choose from, certainly. But I just, I, I the sensibility and the education you can give yourself, that could be a class you teach, Chris. Well, yeah, I mean, Definitely, because I think, you know, colour is just as important as design. I mean, I would say colour is more important than design yeah. because, you know, it's you're going to a store. I mean, it's the first thing you're attracted to, the colour. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. people are, people are you know, if you've got something, those beautiful colours, people are going to buy it, even though, the you know, the repeat might be dodgy or whatever. But, you know, if you've got a really beautiful pattern and the colour's slightly off, no one's going to buy it at all. They won't no. see that. They'll see the... We'll see the bad color I mean, reaction. Aren't we attracted to the color first? I think. Well, yeah, pattern, but are. the color has to work. Yeah, the color is going to draw you in first, and then you mm. look at, you know, the pattern and whatever afterwards. But yeah, yeah, it's the first thing, first thing you see. So, oh my gosh. So, were you with Sheridan for a while? So I was with them for four, for four, four years, and then I mm. had enough and thought I'm ready to go to Europe and you know yeah. conquer conquer the world because, I mean, we always did, as a company. Um, used to travel to the you know trade fairs like Climb Textile or Premier Vision or whatever, and you know you see all these textile design studios creating all this amazing, beautiful artwork that you know companies like Sheridan buy for their the starting point for their new collections. And I thought, oh yeah, I really want to see if I can make it there and you know design design for them and stuff. So I mean, Sheridan gave me a lot of contacts of studios that I could go and see, and um, yeah, I was really lucky. I, I had had a job in Manchester with Diane Harrison Designs. They were a textile design studio that mm. sort of specialised more in sort of middle um, sort of furnishings, bedding, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, that, that was a real that was a real game changer for me because they worked so incredibly fast. Everything's hand-painted. Of course, everything's beautiful and has to be in repeat. So, yeah. I mean, the norm was to design one 27-inch repeat full colour a day and this could be anywhere from a you know traditional floral to a stripe or you know yeah and I'm looking at this thinking oh my god I was really sick to the stomach and I remember you know at lunchtime I went into you know the red phone booth to call my Australian <laughs> friend in London I was like oh my god I don't think I can do this you know it's so oh. much so much faster than what it was working in Australia because in Australia I mean it was so um design led i mean you know we could spend yeah. anywhere from a week to two weeks you know getting a design right wow and here it was day. like i want one a day and you know it's got to be perfect and stuff and so i think i think the first week i managed to do two designs that week you know and yeah 
you know, I'm, I remember thinking, oh, oh my God, gosh. everybody probably thinks I'm, you know, a loser. I've made a huge whatever. mistake. But, yeah. But I mean, by the end of it, I was, yeah. you know, sometimes I could do two or three a day. It was quite, yeah. quite extraordinary. You- so yeah, that's where I got my speed from. Yeah, I guess. And then I learned a lot doing bedding and sort of mass and mass market stuff. And then I thought, look, I want to, I want to work for someone more at market. So then I went to Rome and worked for this studio called Faro Design, hmm. which is run by Ida Farkas. And um, oh wow, I think the owner, the owner is the either the the nephew or the grandson of Matisse. I don't know. There's this there's this creative connection there. Anyway, that was amazing. Wow. You know, they did fashion and furnishing designs. And, you know, one, one week I might be painting these beautiful tropicals on this silk chinois paper. And, you know, the next week I might be embroidering silk and, um, you know, doing stitching. And Oh, my um, gosh. And how did you find them? Did, were you just aware of them from shows? Or? Yeah, 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 just from the shows. And mm. I introduced myself and I said, look, you know, um, I've got some time. Can I come and work? Can I come and work in the studio? And she said, well... Okay, we can't pay your salary, but you know you'll get paid when you sell a design. So, all right, I made sure I had enough money to um, keep me going for a few months, and um, and and then made some and designs. There, that and that sell. was a yeah, and that was a that was a whole another level up in terms of like taste and sophistication oh, and so, stuff. So, so good, yeah. Plus, you were in so Rome. Plus, I was in Rome. I was, you know, eating gelati every day then and drinking red wine and living La Dolce Vita. And yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> but to work for a place like that, where this design sensibility, I was going to say design and art sensibility, were just ingrained, you know, just completely ingrained. And, and to be able to take that in yourself must have been just halcyon days, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, mm. it wasn't like now. I mean, you know, you don't even have to leave your own country now to be famous or you know recognized around the world or get clients because you know the whole world's at your doorstep now isn't it really yeah it really is oh gosh so were you there for a while so I was there for six months and then I thought well look, look I've been away from Australia for three years I better go back home and um, and see my friends and family and stuff and so I had a return ticket booked back to Rome via um Buenos Aires because I'd never been to South America before so um my plan was just to go back to Australia for three months and, you know, come back to come back to Rome. But of course, I, you know, sort of enjoyed being back in Australia. And um, there was a job going for a product manager for a new design boutique homewares line. So I applied for that and got it. So that was my sort of first first foray into the, you know, production management, less mm. creative, you know, costings you know retail or that sort oh, yeah. of thing marketing margins and, um, yeah. margins <laughs> yeah and this was this was the days of fax machines like faxing for your you know oh yes your po <laughs> and your into the i mean it's just totally different now isn't it That's, it is oh, oh yeah my God. I, was, yeah. I was there yeah oh. <laughs> so how did you end up having some of the oh so faro design had some of those clients the big clients like armani and yeah, Diane von Furstenberg, Dolce Gabbana, Etro. Yeah, um, wow. I mean, some of the things, some of the clients I didn't even know. I just said, oh, just give me a few that I can sell you some yeah. for you design to. Because <laughs> often you don't know where your design ends up until you either see it in store or, um, I mean, I remember Matthew and I were in Tuscany and, you know, maybe 10 years ago or something, we're staying at this little 
concerning or whatever. And I'm looking at the curtains thinking, oh, I think that it's a really bad floral. It's a really bad floral, but I think that's my design. Like, I think... Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah, it's a full circle. I mean, you should always look at, I mean, I think you should always be able to look at your old designs and think, oh yeah, I would have made that better or that right. better. But I was looking at it thinking, oh my God, yeah, that's, that was, that's my design. So. Chris in the wild. That's so good. And all those things informed all that you did after, of course, as they do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, halfway through, I think like two years after moving to Chiang Mai, I was going by in a tuk-tuk past this shop and I saw this, um, this, elef- this elephant statue painted in a pattern, you know, brightly coloured. And I was like, oh, stop, stop, stop. I've got to go into the shop and find out what, um, what they're about. And so Elephant Parade is this social enterprise which organises these, you know, exhibitions of life-size baby elephant statues and they get different artists and celebrities from around the world to decorate and then... Mm you know, they have an auction and raise funds for the Asian Elephant Foundation. So I was like, yeah, I want to be involved in this. This is such a great story. Nice. And um, so, you know, I sent my letter off to them and I think this was in June or something and totally forgot about it. And then December they got back in touch and said, oh, yeah, we really love your work. We'd love you to do four elephants for oh. us. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd never painted I'd never painted something so big before. It was like 10, 10 square painting yeah I was gonna say square meters like you know so 3d and of course you know my designs were so detailed I wasn't really thinking properly and like they took me they took me a month each or whatever but yes um it was really good fun and the managing directors noticed that I did product development and stuff and he said oh look you know we really need someone to you know look after our our brand and you know oh, wow. product and everything and so I became their global creative director which was amazing experience like this is the first time I've you know been involved in the you know rebirth and rebranding restyling a brand so you know I was wow. looking after everything from you know the communications brand book um developing their licensing program and then doing all their retail and visual merchandising and you know really thinking about how does my brand look when they in this in the store mm-hmm. you know when they're presented how does it look on their um brochures and their point of sale material you know has the shop look what sort of feel do I want to give and so it really it really was a amazing experience just to really focus in and 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 you know zoom on that and then working with the different departments on yeah you know our tone of voice and our message for um our imagery for facebook our difference from instagram and so that was an incredible incredible experience and plus i got to learn about asian elephants i was gonna say you incredible creatures yeah incredible there there was a such a good reason to be doing that but as well i I think there's so much value in working for a company that's not so multi-level that you, there's so much to be said for making a decision that sticks, you know, Um, because when the company is larger, your decision just gets put in the blender with everybody else's and how great to have that experience with, with a company like that, who's trying to make a difference, working with artists. And like you said, you get to take on how they show up in the world that that yeah. must have taught I you mean, a it lot. was amazing yeah, a lot a lot I mean I wasn't perfect but you know it was well, a, it was um, it's just a process 
great. It was great, great experience again. So, yeah, so now I'm just doing my own stuff and, you know, combining it all together and, you know, trying yeah. to find my, my space in the world, really. You say just, but, oh, my gosh. And, and in the introduction, I, you know, told you where to get where to go to find Chris. And it'll also be certainly in the show notes, but my gosh, I hope you have it open and are looking and drooling right now because your sense of detail and color and just subject matter and all of that is just beautiful. Do you paint every day? No, I'm really, I'm really lazy actually. <laughs> I love He's going to kill me for saying that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 um, it's only been recently that I've just, that, I've decided I have to, I have to paint at least two days a week. Yeah. There you go. So that's what I've been doing. And it's been amazing. Like, you know, not having, not having um, a set goal in mind because I've always, when I've painted or created, there's always been like, you know, a brief or a project or an exhibition to, to paint too. But this is the first time that actually, you know, painting what I like and just, just seeing what, you know, what happens, what happens with it. And this is that, this is my blue and white series I'm doing now, which combines. Um, oh my gosh. I love it. You know, creatures with blue and white China. I'm just fascinated by the, you know, the cultural and the history. history it's amazing. I'm, I'm looking at your Instagram at the octopus with the chinoiserie pattern all over it. It's just, it's just amazing. And I, there's so, so much to be said. It's, it, it's just the best when you have the time to paint what you want to paint. Yeah. Amazing things can happen from that. And, yeah. and I love the diversity of play and things that come from that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is the, you guys get over there and look, I'm just looking at the lobster and the dog and your work is amazing. It's amazing. You remind me a little bit, not remind me of, but you should meet Chad Barrett, uh, another American artist who has a, a Ability similar and you guys would just you would laugh all day and night i'm just telling you you guys all have to get together i'm gonna introduce you for when you when you come back to the oh state. my god when i can come over i mean i've never <laughs> been to atlanta mark that's one place that oh like see there to. you go yes mm-hmm. maybe maybe yeah. there I don't know. someday someday but i just i'm just enthralled because i don't see we we talked about this a little bit you know there's so much art out there. There's so much, there's so many classes and there's so many people learning things and, and kudos to all of you who are trying so hard um, and just figuring this out and loving it, hopefully along the way. Um, practice really takes you a lot farther. And, and I think it's so important to get into your own style as much as possible. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's not, I think we live in the world of instant gratification. Like, you know, you're not, it's a journey. It's not the destination. Like you never, I don't think it's very, it's very, I mean, it's very rare for people to find their own style straight away and to be really good at it and, you know, keep on developing. And I mean, you know, I think Lisa Congdon's amazing, you know, but she, mm-hmm. but, 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 you know, Lisa started out when she was older. So, you know, it's those life experience that also yeah. contribute to. It's true you know, having your own unique style, but, you know, for these younger people, it's like, yeah, you've just, you've got, you really got to learn your craft and, and um, yeah, improve your pattern repeats because 90% of them are just, they're all the same. They're a bit. Yeah. They're not there's that, there's they're a not lot of sameness. Try, try mixing some yeah. colors today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
for more than five minutes. One thing I, I am designing a lot less. Um, when you when I was listening to you talking about your Canton Fair story, I was like, yeah, you know, I've been to Canton Fair twice. And the first time, it, I mean, I've been to Heimtex before, but this was a, Canton Fair is on a whole different mm. scale, like, you know, yes. a whole building of, you know, six floors just Plural. devoted to bathroom, just devoted to bathroom products, you know, shower curtains, <laughs> yeah. one floor, toilet brushes, and, you know, all these different languages being spoken and, and um, you know, people coming to buy stuff. And I was like, and, you know, most of it was crap, you know, wasn't yeah. it 90% sort yep. of disposable plastic. And it really turned, really turned me off design. I actually mm. thought, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to create anything anymore, you know. Yes, I do know. It's very and tricky. So, and so I didn't. I just, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know whether it was linked to, you know, just wanting to have a little break creatively. But, um, yeah. You know, that's such, a, that's such an interesting point because I think we go through, I don't know, there's definitely the ebb and flow of, what we're inspired to do and what we're inspired by. And then what sucks the wind out of our sales as well. And um, there is so much there at the Canton fair and it's indescribable really, (laughs) because there are, there are whole buildings, you know, if you want to, I don't know, a a treadmill, there's a, there's a floor of treadmills. If you want beautiful (laughs) dishware, there's three floors of beautiful dishware and blown glass. And, and as a, buyer or a researcher and often the best factories the best people aren't even there (laughs) no you have to like you know it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland is like do you know one bite makes you taller and one bite makes you small it's just it's I don't know but um it it does it's easy for things to stand out because there's so much, but it's also easy to get so overwhelmed and just think, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's a bit of an addiction, isn't it? The stuff yeah. like trying to find the best suppliers and, you know, best price. It is. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah you know. And then keep those secrets. And then keep those secrets, you know, but it's, um, it, yeah, as you get older, you think, well, I don't know. It's, I think it's getting older. You don't, you know, you think, well, you know, do I really need this much stuff? And yeah. you know, is it really going to make a difference to the, to the planet so I mean that's why I do less and think about um well I'm quite strategic in my marketing in my Mm -hmm. licensing really I I, um yeah tell me a little bit about how you approach that so um I found my first client that I'm still working with like after god 16 years I think or something it's ceramics this company in Australia and um I was at trade fair and I saw them and I saw they had really bad designs but the the china quality was really good so this is where i used all my yep you know history and training like looking at everything like thinking oh you know maybe there's a undiscovered diamond behind all that all that dirt or whatever and um so i went and approached them and said oh look you know i'm a textile designer i think i can do some great things with you um can we chat and i think that took me like six months or a year to get my foot in the door but that's and how so you do it. You start. And that's the how you do it. You just, yeah, you just got to. You just got to start. And yeah. Um, yeah, really lucky. I mean, this was this was back in two thousand and five. You know, when that whole afternoon tea, English roses, liberty mm-hmm. was 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 big, and um, we managed to you know catch the wave in Australia. So you know, I had 
I just thought licensing was a bee's knees back then. (laughs) Well, it was a little different for sure. Especially if you had that skill and you found a few companies like that, you know, you're in because there aren't, there weren't a lot of people that they could turn to. Yeah. And plus you've got the product knowledge and, you know, manufacturing experience, you know, how things are made and, um, you know, and, you know, I gave the whole story as well. So I did packaging for all of them and the, the copy and, you know, the inspiration and, you know, ideas for PR and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. And then Surtex, exhibited Surtex for, in 2007 for the first time and that was a real eye-opener as well, you know, just looking at everything. And Did you um, get a lot of um, new companies from that? How did that go for you? I, I probably got... But five five companies that I that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And which the, part were you did did you set up in the the pieces for sale part or the reg the regular licensing part? Yeah, I was in the regular licensing part, and we were right at the we were right at the end as well. So mm-hmm. um, that was a bit of an eye opener that that show because I was expecting all these companies to come and visit me that I wanted to work with, but. Mm. You know, when you get there, that they only they don't want to see you. They don't walk the show. They just go and see people who they've worked with before, or <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And so that was a real eye opener for me. And I thought, well, I, no, Surtex isn't really. You know, I don't, I'm not sure whether it's worthwhile financially me do this, or whether it's worthwhile me still coming over to the states, but actually yeah. making appointments and going direct and seeing the companies that I want to work yeah. with. So. Some of us walk the show. Some of us look for people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I you're even, right. But I even know when I was buying, you know, everything blues into one after a while, doesn't it? Even you're yeah. trying to keep fresh eyes. and. Well, and you only have the odd and unfortunate thing, and it goes for emails or whatever, is you only have so much time. And there are certain people you have to see. And then you might be working for a company who's telling you to do, you know, go left when you want to go right. And it's tricky. But I I agree. I think shows like that are certainly good for on many levels, but there's nothing like knowing who you want to work for and, and trying to have those conversations, really. Yeah, exactly. It's harder now because they're so, the pool is larger and, and all, but there's still, if your art is good and it's something they're looking for at that time, the magic happens. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a marathon, isn't it? It's not a, it it's not a sprint. I mean, I... I just recently signed a licensing deal with this company that I had last spoke to in 2010. Wow. I haven't, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard, we hadn't been in correspondence all that time, you know. Wow. I mean, I'm pretty bad at follow-up as well, so it's probably my fault. But, well, you know, they just got out, they just rang out of the blue and said, oh, yeah, we want to do something with you. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's, great. <laughs> I remember you. It is a marathon, <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a beautiful one. We get to be surrounded by things we're interested in, you know, and all of, you know, and time goes by without you noticing, you know, it's just, it yeah. is interesting. But the people that I have met are just my favorite kind of people, you know, cause we're all in it together. I feel like in some way, and we can relate to that marathon and what that means, you know, and just kind of give each other a pat on the back and be like, okay, here we go. Well, that's a brilliant thing about technology, isn't it? We can chat and, you know, make relationships with people that, you know, halfway around the world that, you know, we wouldn't normally have had the opportunity unless we were at a trade fair or whatever. So it's true. Tell me about your mentoring program. 
So I am going to do some mentoring. I've done it before, um, you know, just working. I mean, I sort of see myself as a pattern, pattern therapist. I mean, you know, my, one of my things is like, you know, fixing everybody's repeat, but, you know, also talking to them about, you know, their branding and design and products. So, I mean, not, I mean, I can talk about art licensing as well with them, but it may, it's just about making them better versions of themselves who, yeah. in terms of, you know, creating and designing and finding the uniqueness, finding the uniqueness and looking at different things for inspiration because everything is same, same. I mean, it's just, I mean, so many derivatives of, of, mm-hmm. of everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, I think that that creativity and sort of honing your craft and really working on your your skill set is is um is so important these days. It really is. Everybody. It really is, and I I find I mean as much as I love certainly being involved in some of these classes, um, and just seeing what comes from it. One of the tricky parts for me is not being able to give everyone feedback because it's just not possible. Um, not because it's not allowed or something, it's just impossible. So, uh, but that feels unfinished to me because everyone deserves feedback. And I love that you're, you're doing that. Well, I think as you get older, you want to, I mean, I want to give back and share my knowledge. I mean, partly, partly to help people, I mean, all to help people, but you know, part of it as well is to, you know, just sort of bring back the the standard of of um, you know drawing and design again because I think it's gone a little bit downhill. You know, yeah. it's not the same as like you know twenty years ago. I mean, you know, obviously technology has a part of it, but I think technology's made everyone a bit lazier as at the same time, really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in terms of looking for inspiration or you know, Pinterest. Exactly. And I find I I had this discussion in in our monthly membership recently where the question was, what should my portfolio look like? And I felt like I tried to quickly pull up a few examples because it should look like you, you know, but I feel (laughs) like there's so much advice. And this is exactly what the question was. You know, I'm not sure what to do with my portfolio because there's so much advice. Somebody who knows says I should put everything on the front page. Somebody says I shouldn't. And and so we kind of went into this conversation, but exactly that. I think people are listening to this information that you can find online and saying that must be the way. And then the next thing they listen to is the same. That must be the way. That must be how I should draw it or how I should present myself. But what gets lost is where are you in all that? What do you, the artist, want to do? What lights you up? You know, stop for a second. Take a breath. Take a breath. Why are you in this? You know, what do you love to do? Exactly. You don't have to draw Santas, you know, (laughs) to be successful. Please don't. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't. Please go draw. Well, don't draw Blue Shinwazri Octopus because Chris has done that. But do something that feels as unique to you. You know what I mean? It's. It's, it, I understand the challenges because right now people are saying, well, how do I figure that out? Well, there's some mentors out there in the world for you and yeah. there's you out there. Exactly. Just do you, boo. Just do you. And it will come. There's no, look, there's no rush. Everybody's in a rush. There's no, it takes time. I mean, you know, back in 2007 when I did Certex and stuff I was like oh yeah because I'm so talented and versatile I can do lots of different styles I can I can do that look that look that look that look you know but it wasn't 
me and I think, right, right. you know, buyers and manufacturers, you know, people want to see the real you. They know it's not authentic. There's this sort of, I don't know, this, this is sort of intangible thing. I remember I had two exhibitions to paint for and I was exhausted by the end of it. I think I'd painted 72 paintings, oh, wow. you know, in one year. And, you know, just the last few, I didn't really, really love them. Mm, and then the ones mm. that didn't sell. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 So that's my. Um, that's usually the that's, way, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's always my, um, my litmus kiss if something's okay. It's like, oh, do I really, if I really love it, it makes me smile and, you know, it makes my heart sing. Then it's like, yep. Yeah, this is gonna, this is a, this is ready. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, really good lens, really good filter to check your, check yourself on for sure. And I think like you said, and like we've said a couple of times, it is that less is more, the older we get for sure. But it also pertains to the art you're putting out in the world. And I don't mean do less artwork. I mean, figure out what is you, what lights you up, what's important. Like you know, talking to Kirsten Katz, who does florals, focuses on florals or what you're doing right now, the blue and white, that's lighting you up. And you're playing with how that shows up in so many different ways. And just things come from that. And I also think it's the work we do along the way, for sure. I mean, the, the companies you were able to work for and you, you had to learn how to work fast. And, you know, I certainly have learned, oh my gosh, I love what I have learned along the way. And, and it wasn't always easy to learn it, nor was it always fun, but it was always worth it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can't get those experiences back. And I think harder, harder to get those now, isn't it? Because, you know, manufacturing has changed a lot and, you know, yeah. technology. And, and... It's true. Oh, gosh. Well, I could talk to you all day. So <laughs> could I. We'll have to. <laughs> Let's do this again. I say that a lot, but I really do. I think it's so interesting to see you know, where, where, what have you been doing in the last six months kind of thing? Cause the people listening are like, I, you know, now they're invested in you. <laughs> they want to oh, know. Yeah. Oh no, I've got, no, I've got some really exciting things happening next year. So yeah, if you want to catch it, yeah, let's let yeah, let's catch up again. Yeah. Cause they're, okay, they're for quite sure. big. So, can you, yeah, can you tempt sure. us with what any of those things are? Um, well, I'm doing a, I'm doing something in hotels and I'm doing something in cosmetics. Ooh, nice. Two completely different things. Yeah, two completely different. So it's, Oh, I um, love that. Yeah. Okay. Exciting. Well, just exciting. drop me a note when it's time to. Okay. To <laughs> okay. I'd love to know who's inspiring you right now. Oh, do you know, originally I said Naomi Osaka, but I want to include all the young girls like Simone Biles and, yeah. you know, the two US Open finalists, Emma and, um, and Layla, like, you know, these young, strong women I mean yes that are that are not white as well and you know really coming into their own and um you know standing to their values and you know not taking any inspiration any crap under under such enormous pressure from the from the media and everybody I mean you just can't imagine what they're no I can't imagine the pressure and the bravery yeah I mean you know they just seem, seem to be able to you know do it all the other person that's inspiring is, is my, I have to say my husband, Matthew. He's an environmental lawyer and he is doing some amazing things in Asia from, you know. Thank you, helping, Matthew. Helping protect the environment and, you know, working with NGOs and human rights. And so yeah, he's doing wow. great things. So that's he saves job. the planet and I try not to pollute and you make the it pretty. too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make it pretty. That's what we say. Uh, well, kudos 
kudos to him because it's very needed and desperately needed. So I appreciate it. And he does my contracts as well, which is. Oh, how handy. I was figured I needed a lawyer in the family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Benny, he came with me to Surtex the first time and, you know, they were giving these seminars where these law firms were giving away like real, like practically a whole contract for you to just, um, you know, work from. I mean, they don't do it now, but back then it was so, he said, oh my God, you know, this is amazing stuff, just covering everything. So Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I loved the third one you wrote down too. And the third one, I was thinking about my, I was thinking about my girlfriends because I'm still friends with um, the six of us from our RMIT textile design days at university. And, um, you know, my, my girlfriends are all mums and, Carla and Amanda especially have, you know, put off their careers to look after their, their, their children. And now they're, you know, getting into painting and they're having, you know, exhibitions and Amanda's won a prize. And my friend Nicola is still doing her textile, you know, homewares brand after. God, she was one of the first. I mean, she's, she's really, she's like Florence. She's like the living Florence Broadhurst. You know, oh, Florence wow. Bro- yes, yeah. I sure do. So, so Nicola, yeah, Nicola started her own fabrics. I think it was a year after we graduated. Like, What's her last you know, name? Nicola Cherini. Mm. C-E-R-I-N-I. Yeah. She has a lot of um, Australian flora and fauna and, oh. um, you know, with the Japanese food. So I was thinking about then and I was thinking, well, look, you know, I'm really inspired by all the mums out there, especially during, you know, COVID as well, like, you know, homeschooling and also finding the time yeah. to, you know, follow their passion and do something creative and yeah, I mean, being a mum is such a hard, such a hard and often unrewarded role. I mean, you know, you look at rewarding and unrewarded yeah. at the same yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. So kudos to all, kudos to all the mums out there for sure. Yes, indeed. And to finding finding your creativity through it all. You know, I talk to a lot of people who are coming back into it after taking time off to to raise those kids or in the midst of raising those kids and have to do it for a slice of sanity or whatever it is. And, and I hope you kind of have taken from this conversation that trying things, putting yourself out there, going for what you believe is right for you, many more points, but you know, it's worth it. It really is. It's really worth it. Fortune favors the brave. You do have to be brave. You do. Yeah. And you might fall down, but, you know, at least you tried and you just get back up and, and try again. So I agree. I think if everybody listening could pick one thing they were a little nervous to do and try to just go for it, just just one thing. Maybe it's, you know, picking, putting a different color on your paintbrush than you have, or maybe it's reaching out to a company or maybe it's dancing in the street. I don't know, but go do it. Oh my gosh. I loved this so much. Thank you. So nice chatting with you, Margo. It's been brilliant. Likewise. I feel like I have a, a, a new lifelong friend. I knew I would oh, love yeah, this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you an invite to Thailand as soon as we, everything opens up again, yeah. for sure. Okay. And if I'm in Seattle, I'm definitely going to give you a call for sure. I just want to make sure you know about one more exciting thing that Chris is now offering. Chris has started coaching for creatives. Here is where you find it. ChrisChun.com backslash pages, backslash the pattern coach. I'm going to say that one more time. Write it down. chrischun.com backslash pages, backslash the pattern coach. All this information will be in the show notes. 
Also, if you sign up from 10 days from today, there is a 10% discount that Chris is offering. You just have to put in this code, windowsills. That's W-I-N-D-O-W-S-I-L-L-S. And again, this will all be in the show notes, but hop on it, take a look at chrischon.com backslash pages backslash the pattern coach. You get 10% off if you sign up in the next 10 days. And it's so juicy. And as you can tell by this wonderful conversation, he has tons to offer you and you will just continue to grow. Chris is wonderful and I recommend checking it out. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.